With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello again, Hawkeye fans. We are back for another Hawkeye History podcast. Um, I need to get some intro music to this podcast because it kind of just blurts into the the actual podcast but we'll work on that maybe john can help me out um this week's guest is former hawkeye quarterback matt sherman um and we appreciate having him on as a guest welcome matt how are you today i'm doing great rob thanks uh, for the opportunity you're very welcome and i appreciate you coming on and let's get the uncomfortable elephant in the room out of the way first tell the listeners your job and where you work and then we'll kind of do a a therapeutic cleansing that's fair that's fair uh i um i work for learfield uh, img college um which you know we have 220 schools across the country obviously iowa being being one of those schools um, Iowa State, you and I, etc. Um, I unfortunately, or fortunately, depending, I guess who you talk to, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm at the University of Minnesota, and uh, you know, and have been for 11 years, and feel really fortunate. We have a great group of people up here, and under Mark Coyle's uh, direction as the AD, um, certainly it's fun to be involved in college athletics. So it's uh, it's been a good run, and uh, it's it's like I said, it's college sports for me. Certainly hold a, a special place in my heart for obviously all the the right reasons that I experienced at Iowa and, and I'm fortunate enough to be able to continue to see some of those uh, still today. And we joke and we kid, but what, what it is, Learfield does a great job. And uh, obviously we have, you know, our, our, our uh, connection to that here with Gary Dolphin and Bob Hanson, Eddie Podolak and that, what is your job with, uh, with uh, Learfield IMG? Sure. So I'm, I'm business development guy. So, you know, I'm a sales guy that I, uh, I'm tasked to go out and, and try to get companies involved uh, with this case, go for athletics in some form or fashion. So, you know, really taking the pageantry of college sports and really what, you know, why we are all fans. And the first uh, first point is, is, uh, you know, the excitement around uh, college athletics and those football Saturdays and, and all of those things and trying to get corporate America uh, to, to see the value in that. So it's a fun job. It's, um, you know, for me and kind of my DNA of, of what I've uh, uh, done in my past and growing up the way I grew up and, and obviously the great experiences I had at the University of Iowa, it's still fun to be around that energy and passion yeah. that you can only find on college campuses. Yeah, definitely. Um, so what is, you know, what is the Floyd week like? What is Minnesota <laughs> Iowa week like for you? Yeah, it's great. I love it. Uh, certainly when the, when the game's up here, I always say jokingly, but it's, it's true on game day. Uh, my colleagues, I let them know, I say, here's the deal. Um, uh, you're not going to see a lot of me. I'm going to be walking around. Um, I'm, I don't wear a lot of, uh, well, or of any gopher, uh, 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 clothing of any kind. I'm kind of, I always say I'm, I'm kind of like Johnny Cash. I wear all black and, and, uh, I just kind of keep myself, uh, separated from, uh, 
from some other folks, but, uh, you know, that, that, that's what, I mean, I love what I do and really that passion. And you speak to that game in particular and what that means, certainly in the, the people of Minnesota, but obviously going through it the way I did at Iowa, um, you know, it's a special, special game. So still being, being around it is, um, is really exciting and fun for me. And I feel real fortunate for that. Yeah, and I joke and I kid, but I really love I love Minneapolis and I, I love the campus at you know Minnesota and coming up there for games. That's a beautiful stadium. Yeah. I love Williams Arena. I mean, you know, we don't like to admit it when you know the other schools are rivals and things like that, but they're just the Big Ten is really blessed to have just great towns and great venues and great schools. So we're all pretty fortunate to be. Yeah. Involved. No, you're right. You couldn't you couldn't say any better, Rob. You're exactly right. It um, and doing what I do now, I have the good fortune to, to travel some of these uh, away games and experience it. Obviously, as a player, it's completely different. You know, experience it, experience it as a fan, and and um, the Big Ten is is very very unique and something that certainly, you know, Iowa fans that have the the ability to go on the road to Penn State or you know even go to Northwestern. There's just something about that on a Saturday that is um, so exciting and so unique and. Um, we're really lucky. And Minneapolis is a great, listen, it's a big city, certainly, but um, I can tell you in my 11 years doing this, there is a passion and following now. Certainly, they haven't had the success uh, that maybe a lot of folks up here want, but, um, you know, they, they do have some good people in place now. And uh, so it's going to, I think the conference is, is in a tremendous spot right now for, uh, for growth and, and really that fan following. But you still, you're still a Hawkeye, right? <laughs> I'm still a Hawkeye, absolutely. Okay. So everybody, yeah, never, all the listeners can lose, exhale. <laughs> you'll never lose that. Like Bielema, Bielema had the, the tattoo on his ankle. I have one on my left shoulder. So, hey, I'm branded. I'm, I'm there. And uh, that will never go away. We used to give Brett trouble at when we did the Big Ten uh, uh, kickoff luncheon in Chicago in the summer. And he'd show up and we'd have the round tables and stuff. And we'd give him, you know, we'd always joke with him about that stuff. And he was good natured about it as well. Yeah. No, you have to be. And, you know, it's just funny. You never know where life's going to take. And certainly right. as, a, as a 21, 22, 22 year old, uh, I had one one passion and one vision. And all of a sudden life kicks you in the tail and, and the football comes to the end. And you're like, OK, now what? And mm. so, uh, you know, we just made a decision to get up here to Minneapolis and and, uh, you know, it's funny how things work out and and uh, kind of just met some great people up here and, and uh, obviously been in this role uh, for, for a number of years. And obviously you're married. Um, did you meet your wife at Iowa? I did. Actually, yeah. She's an Iowa City girl. She went to West High. And oh, I, wow. actually both of her parents work uh, worked for the university and now uh, retired. Her mom was in the athletic department, Pat Beamer. And obviously anyone that's been around Gopher Athletic or excuse me, Hawkeye Athletic certainly knows, certainly knows Pat Beamer. She was sure. an icon and did did um, a lot, a lot of great things for uh, for the athletic department. And so, yeah, we dated kind of we dated in college. Uh, and um, and then I was still trying to do the arena football thing right after Iowa. And she moved away uh, down to Arizona because that's kind of what you do, I think, when you graduate from Iowa, you, you move <laughs> right. to Phoenix. Go and uh at that, so we kind of we kind of played the long distance thing for a couple of years and both decided we wanted to, to kind of find our, our spot and roots. And we ended up in Minneapolis and uh, we've been here ever since since really 2001. So it's, it's been a great it's a great place for us. We love it. And, and the people where we live and the families that we're involved with is tremendous. Have children? I do. I have two boys, uh, 12 and nine, uh, 12. Uh, Kate is the 12 year old and then Drew is the the nine-year-old and and somehow um, they play a lot of sports but somehow we got introduced uh, at an early age to the sport of hockey 
mm. with the uh, with the older boys. So he was skating at age three, and now he's twelve. So he's been skating ever since. And uh, up here, obviously, that is um, you know that's a pretty important sport. And and I can't skate to save my life. I say jokingly, but it's maybe not a joke. I look like a baby giraffe on skates, really. I mean, I'm just <laughs> I I'm, I'm like a NASCAR guy. I turn one way. I usually hit the boards to stop. Uh, so it's, I'm I'm not real talented on skates, but. Uh, yeah, the boys play hockey, and now we're heavy in the baseball season right now, and and both of them play tackle football up here. So um, we're 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 moving, but it's it's obviously it's fun to watch my children compete and and have some fun in athletics. Is it harder to watch your kids? I have kids too, so I kind of have an answer for this my myself. Is it harder to watch them than it was to play? I mean, watching them kind of go through it. I think so. Yeah, and I'm sure I'd love to hear your opinion too, Rob. I, I would say so, and I I try to coach them all as well, which. You know, my father was a coach for me and, and gosh, he just retired from track at the age of 78. And um, so he, you know, he's been coaching his whole life. And, and I always saw the value um, as being a coach's kid. And so for me, selfishly, I was like, gosh, I want to be involved with my kids when it comes to athletics. Now, what I can tell you and anyone, any dad or even mom, for that matter, that coaches their kids, certainly that relationship's a little bit different. And uh, the 12-year-old and I don't always see eye to eye because he is fortunate to play quarterback for his little football team. And, <laughs> and for some reason, he doesn't quite think I know what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> so at times we have some, some, some interesting conversations. And my wife, Betsy, is nice enough to remind me that um, he's 12, so settle down. Um, <laughs> but I, I love it. But, yeah, it's, it's, it, I guess the, it's more enjoyable. to it, It's more challenging maybe when, you, when you're watching your children play just because certainly you want them to have success. But. At the same point, um, you know, gosh, I just want them to go out and have fun and, and contribute and participate. And um, so far, it's been uh, it's just been it's been great for us. Yeah, most definitely. My son decided he wanted to wrestle because he's just kind of got that personality. And I always played yeah. basketball. I never realized how intense wrestling is. And watching him wrestle is like one of the most intense things that. Sure. I've ever gone through just because that's such that one-on-one -on, -one on the mat, just going at it is so much different than uh, it, anything yeah, I've ever done. And I really have a respect for him. Oh, big time. Right. And wrestling in particular, right. One of the, I mean, coach brands does a tremendous job. And, and anytime when I was up here, I always make it a point to go to, to watch the wrestling and wrestling up here in Minnesota is really, you know, it's very, very important just like it is in Iowa. And, um, especially when you see those college guys and just the, you know, the energy and effort and the time commitment and, you know, the, really devouring their, their, their life to, um, to the sport of wrestling. It's, it's unbelievable. Wrestling's a unique sport and you're right. It's one-on-one. -on -one and, um, I can't imagine as a parent sitting back because all you want to do is hoop and holler, but at times, you know, listen, you got to let the kid have a little fun and wrestle too. It'd be, it'd be a challenge. Yeah. And the dynamic that's even crazier or I find interesting is, is Dan Gable's grandson wrestles on my son's junior high team. And, <laughs> and Dan is sitting like front and center of the bleachers. And my son is just in awe whenever he sees them. And then the pressure on the grandson to wrestle. I mean, I can't even imagine. I just try to go there and tell him to have fun. Yes. Like, oh uh, my gosh. Yeah. That is, <laughs> I didn't realize that. I always, I always said kind of jokingly and, and uh, but I think it's accurate where, you know, I said, listen, you know, there's a good Lord looking down when Dan Gable has because he has five daughters, correct? Yes. Yeah. And that's when you know that because there's not a kid that could ever, you know, as him being your father, how challenging would that be to to be able to strive and to reach those levels that he uh, reached? I mean, it's almost impossible. So I always said, oh, my gosh, thank goodness he had five daughters. And then, you know, <laughs> there's there's a plan, right? There's a reason why that happened.
And now he's got grandsons because Brian Mitchell, I, I think you remember who played Absolutely. baseball yep. here, yep. married. Yep. I can't remember what, what daughter it was, but that's sure. whose son wrestles with my, my son. So yeah, interesting yeah. time. It's all, it's a small world. Yeah, no, Brian's a great guy knowing him. Obviously I played football with Mark, so know yeah. the Mitchell family pretty well, but yeah, no, Brian's, Brian's tremendous. And, uh, but yeah, that wrestling, that's a, uh, that's an interesting <laughs> one for sure. So, um, at what, uh, let's flip back to, um, your high school days and kind of getting your, you know, get, get growing up and, and going to St. Ansgar. And when did you realize that college football at the highest level was a possibility for you? You know, maybe my, um, I remember my sophomore year. So obviously going to, you know, going to St. Ansgar is a town of a thousand people. Um, I, I was lucky enough at that time to, to dress when I was a freshman and then the senior quarterback got hurt and I got kind of shoved into the spot as a 14 year old and had some success. And, you know, football is really, really important. And obviously my father was my coach and mm-hmm. uh, in St. Ansgar, that's, uh, you know, football Fridays are just what it's supposed to be and what you envision where the town really does shut down. And, and that's how much, uh, that's how people look at it. And, you know, so I played my freshman, the end of freshman year, and then end up, you know, starting as a sophomore. And kind of halfway through my sophomore year, we started having some success. And it was it was in between that summer. I went I, I went to um, the uh, Nebraska camp and I went to the Iowa camp. And at that point, and obviously, you know, 20 years ago, camps were kind of what you had to do. Simply, otherwise, you send out VHS tapes. But obviously, there was <laughs> there was no huddle. There was no right. You know, just a different way of recruiting. But I remember going to Iowa and, and uh, Coach Elliott was uh, the guy that kind of recruited our, our part of the state and uh, sitting down with Coach Elliott at the time. And so this is going in junior year. And he just said, you know what, listen, you have a lot of intangibles that, that we look for in a player. Now, certainly, you know, a lot of things have to kind of fall in place. But just know, um, you know, you keep doing the right thing, working hard, play multi-sports, uh, have fun, all those things that, that Bobby Elliott was absolutely tremendous about and for and really represented – uh, the University of uh, of Iowa in an unbelievable way. Um, I think that's when it kind of just dawned on me that, hey, you know, maybe there's an angle here. I mean, it's still, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I was like, gosh, I'm, I'm from northern Iowa, a little tiny town. We play, you know, 1A football. Um, can it happen? Maybe. But, mm, uh, you know, I, I think my dad grounded me pretty well where he just said, hey, <laughs> listen, enjoy <laughs> what you're doing right now because, you know, there, there's no there's no guarantees in this thing. Um but that kind of started getting my my you know fire going a little bit and maybe doing a little extra and and focusing a little bit more on the game of football. And you mentioned that recruiting is so much different now with social media and huddle and all the other stuff, self promotion things like that. What was your recruitment like? Um, <laughs> obviously, Iowa was involved. What other schools were involved with you? What was the process like for you? Yeah, for me, it was really more kind of regional where it was Iowa, Iowa State. Actually, Iowa State, Jim Walden was the first guy to offer me a scholarship. And I remember him telling me, he's like, you know, hey, come to Iowa State. And, and uh, you know, we like to run the option. And I, I go like, Coach Walden, you know, <laughs> listen, I, I mean, I maybe you can run a, a 4-8 downhill, windy day at your back, you know, but I have no desire to run the uh, to run the option in the uh, in the big eight at that time, I think it was. Um but otherwise, it was, you know, Iowa State, Kansas State. Uh, Del Miller was at Kansas State. My father mm-hmm. knew him from uh, playing football together at UNI. Sure. And, um, you know, Illinois, Lou Temper was the coach there, and there's a relationship there. Barry Alvarez, my dad knew Barry when he was at Mason City in the 70s. And so there was a relationship there. So more regional. 
But, you know, for me at the time, um, obviously, uh, my first visit was the University of Iowa, and then I was going to go to Iowa State and Illinois. And um, it was the first one that we could do it. It was in January and uh, went down there and and Casey Wigman was my host. Um, <laughs> you know, on, on my trip, there's Rodney Filer was on my trip. Damon Gibson was on the trip. Plus Atkins was on that trip. Wow. Um, the whole, a whole host of other other guys on that on that particular weekend. And, you know, Ryan Driscoll obviously um, was um, there. You know, he's a year older than I was and and met him and really thought the world of him just because knowing you know, him from the kind of the icon he was, frankly, in Iowa football and everything he did at Lenmar uh, the couple previous years. And so it just is one of those things where I just I was like, holy smokes, this is where I want to be. And and I'll give Coach Farrell the credit in the world. And he may not remember this, but uh, this is all I remembered on that Sunday. He told me in his office it was myself and my parents. And he just said, listen, we're going to we're going to bring one quarterback in this year. We certainly want you, Matt. But uh, we have another guy uh, named Jake Plummer out in Montana. <laughs> and um so it's either one of you guys and, and, um, I, uh, he's coming in next week. So think about it. And, uh, I tell you what, we got, we got home and obviously no cell phones at that time. We got home Sunday night and, uh, my dad looked at me and goes, what do you think? And I was like, Let, let's do this. And so we call, we called coach right back that Sunday night and said, we're in. And, um, man, what a, what a, you know, for a small town, Iowa boy to have that opportunity. Um, I didn't look at, you know, obviously all the competition. I was just like, holy smokes. I had this unbelievable chance and this dream to go be part of the University of Iowa and Iowa football. And, um, yeah, obviously it was the best decision I ever made in my life. That's a great story. I didn't realize that Jake Plummer was uh, was that close. Well, according to Coach Fry now, so I <laughs> yeah. take that for what it's worth. <laughs> so I want to I pick up back here chronologically in a minute, but I think it would be – I think it's right for us to to talk about Ryan at this point. Um, you know, it's such a tragedy for a guy that was so admirable in, you know, a lot of times now you see a kid isn't playing for a game and he's ready to transfer and and Ryan's ability to stick it out and, and be a team guy. Um, what was it like? And this is kind of rhetorical, but I'm more asking here just for your feelings of when you found out that he had passed away and what it was like at the funeral and just kind of what, what it was like for the Hawkeye family. Yeah. And he said, well, he's a, he, he was a tremendous man. And, um, boy, I, I still get even a little emotional just thinking about it. Um, he, uh, you know, I, I, my freshman year, you know, I mean, he, he was, he redshirted, he was slated to start. He did start you know, as a sophomore. And then obviously broke his collarbone in the Michigan game. And unfortunately for me, for me, I was hurt at that time as well. And, and, and in 1994, gosh, we had, I think five quarterbacks play. And then I was lucky enough kind of at the end of the year to, to be able to come back and play really well. And then, you know, Ryan and I kind of battled it out in, in 95 going into the season. And, um, you know, coach Fry can't, I mean, I guess looking back, it certainly wasn't easy. And at that time, maybe I had my blinders on where I just didn't understand it. Um, but the way he he managed both of us at the same point where Ryan was always prepared, uh, wanted to be prepared, um, I, you know, but never, ever. And we warmed up together. You know, we did everything. That it, it, we were buddies on and off the, the field. So it wasn't it wasn't like he separated, like you said, Rob, where today it just seems like, boy, if a kid gets benched, all of a sudden you transfer to somewhere else. And, um, you know, different times back then. But he just 
he was tremendous. And, and uh, obviously when I heard the news, it, it absolutely, you know, here's a guy that, that, you know, <laughs> athletic could do anything, a wonderful, wonderful husband and a, a, even a better father. Um, just, just, you know, no one ever know why it's hard to understand, but um, just think the world of him. Well said. Um, so, you you kind of touched on it there when we were t- talking about Ryan. Um, that '94 season. Um, what was your um, what was your injury initially, and and kind of what point of the year did you get healthy and get to the point where okay maybe I can I can get myself some time? Yeah, I, the Michigan game where Ryan got hurt uh, was really the start of the Big Ten. Um, and I was abs- I was actually running, uh, I think it was scout team. We're getting ready for Penn State, maybe the week prior. And I broke a bone in my foot. And okay. um, it was one of those where, now today, they, it, I mean, it, it bothered me. But, you know, Coach Fry is like, hey, we still want you to travel, do everything. Because we had Jefferson Bates, we had Marcus Dupree, and Corby Smith were also the other, the other three quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we all traveled. I mean, nowadays, you'd never, ever travel you know, five guys, but, but we did. And, um, I really appreciate coach Fred for doing that. Cause it, it, you know, it gave me a perspective of, of kind of what the road's about and how to prepare and those things. And so unfortunately we had a little losing streak then, and you know, it just, it didn't work out for either one of those guys. And we were down 21 zip at, at Purdue and uh, coach Fry looked at me going into halftime and he goes, Hey, you need to play. Can you play? And it's like, yep, absolutely. And <laughs> so uh, Dr. Buckwalter at that time worked some magic on my foot. I'm not sure how he did it or what he did, but um, he made the pain go away and, uh, I ended up coming in that game and we can still tie at that time, but we ended up tying 21, 21, not just because of me, certainly, I mean, God, the guy stepped up and, and then we played, um, Minnesota and Northwestern and we went on a little bit of a run there and played really well at the end of those games. So, um, you know, at that time I was dumb enough where I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, but I was just kind of reactionary and it, it just worked. It just worked at that time. And, um, it really gave me a lot of confidence going into 1995, and and then obviously you know kind of the rest is history, and and certainly I didn't knock it out of the park. I mean we were shoot I think we were seven and five and in 1995 and lost some games we shouldn't have, and maybe one one or two that you know that 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 we uh, that we maybe shouldn't have won either. So it's it was one of those things where um, um, you know you just kind of grow and mature as a quarterback, and and obviously with with Coach Fry still having confidence in me, um, it meant the world. That 94 Minnesota game was the crazy one, right? Where it yes. was just yeah. 40, <laughs> 49-42, it was snowing outside, the dome was packed. Just yeah. crazy crazy plays in that game too all over the place. What do you remember from that? Oh, I remember a ton. I mean, it's it was phenomenal. I mean, cuz for me growing up where I grew up, certainly there was a lot of Gopher fans in Northern Ireland, sure. obviously Southern Minnesota, so you know, I, I don't know how many people we had up there, but certainly I remember warm-ups and just seeing all these familiar faces from St. Anne's and the Corn Bowl Conference at the time and people that I, you know, competed either against or, or with in some, some cases. And um, it was tremendous. I mean, that you know, that that's where, you know, we called uh, a throwback to quarterback where Dwight got it. And, you know, Dwight was a true freshman. Yeah. And he didn't know what, what was going on, but, you know, he just – his energy and emotion, and I think he returned a kick, Demo Odoms. Uh, recovered a big fumble. I mean, it's just Jason House made some huge plays. The names kind of go on and on, and you could just see that kind of set the table for us. And, and certainly in 95, but really in 96, you could see the maceration and some, you know, the improvement 
of, of that 94 end of the season and that energy that we needed going into winter ball and then obviously into spring in the spring ball was um, was pretty apparent and, and was pretty exciting. Um, when what was the the competition like in that that following a spring, summer, fall, going into '95 when it when it was you and Ryan and you guys were you know battling for that spot. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was intense, and um, it was intense. And I almost say we were you know one A and one B. I mean, I, I don't think there's a true one and two per se, uh, as best I can recollect. But um, you know, it was one of the you know there's going to be eight snaps with the ones I get four and Ryan gets four, and everything was charted and and. Um, that, that was how, you know, kind of intense that was. But again, to Ryan's credit, and, and I like to think I understand the importance of being a team guy is, uh, you know, we still helped each other out. And, uh, you know, Coach, Coach Fry did a great job of kind of setting the expectations, understanding, hey, this is what's going to be tolerated. This is, this is what's not going to be tolerated. And then, obviously, Don Patterson, who was the, uh, the OC and quarterback coach, obviously we spent a great deal of time with him. And, and I think he did a good job of kind of managing managing those um you know that relationship and and how to communicate but i'm sure those guys look back and it was it was probably tough at times and you know they made a tough decision and and you know for whatever reason coach fry said hey matt's at this point in time matt's a better fit but uh but again i think it was one of those where you know we were truly 1a and and 1b and um we just we I, i tell you we just worked together for the kind of the greater good of the team i really believe that and that was an odd season, 95. I think you guys started 5-0, and lost four in a row, and then won the last three. Um, what, yeah. what, do you, what, do you, what do you remember from that year just in terms of the roller coaster ride? Yeah, it was an interesting year, and you're exactly right. It's, it's you know, kind of that sophomore slump for me where the things in 94 that I was just doing naturally, um, all of a sudden I started thinking and uh, thinking I knew what to do and I, and I can outsmart people. And uh, sometimes that doesn't always work. And I had a little bit of an arm issue that that um, happened to me in the summer through some overtraining and some other things. And so I was kind of struggling early in the year with some some elbow issues. And um, but it was it was one of those years, uh, you know, where we were playing a lot of young guys. I mean, certainly we had, you know, Matt Purdy was on that team as an offensive lineman. Um, Kent Call was was a fullback slash running back on that team. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we had some we had some senior leadership, but we had so many young guys playing as well. Um, where you know, it, it, sometimes those teams just don't gel. And looking back, I think that's kind of what happened is is we just for whatever reason we weren't on all cylinders. And when things went south a little bit, um, it just seems like either my leadership at the quarterback's perspective wasn't strong enough, or I wasn't a strong enough leader. Or we didn't really have someone because Dwight was just kind of figuring it out himself. And certainly we all looked up to him. But, you know, it's hard for a young guy to step right in and and be a great leader like that. So I, I'm not saying we didn't have leadership. We did. But I just think at that time, um, it just wasn't we weren't all going in the same direction. It seemed, though, that some of those trials and tribulations in that 95 season, you guys learned from it and put it to to good use the following year in 96 because that season I know there were some down moments but for the most part that was a good year and you finished on the high note just you know dominating Texas Tech yeah in the Alamo Bowl yeah and I would even go back to 95 with the Sun Bowl right um you know and beating an Arizona State team by the way that that I think we were 18 or 19 point dogs in that game and uh, we went out and absolutely absolutely um 
No, I tell you, it was Washington. It wasn't. It was Washington that we absolutely dominated in, in '95 out in, in El Paso. But you know, we had some momentum going into into winter conditioning and spring ball. And I think you're exactly right, Rob. Where we walked into 1990 into '96 and, and fall camp, going, you know what? <laughs> We're pretty dang good. You know, we got some national buzz. We had some really good players on our team. You know, Tom Knight, that was a national guy. Ross Verba was a national guy. Cedric Shaw was a national guy. Obviously, Jared DeVries was getting, you know, some talk about him now. We mm-hmm. had really good linebackers. Uh, Damian Robinson in the secondary was a really, really good player. So all of a sudden now, you know, these guys are, are seniors. And um, there was just continuity and this, I think, belief that, hey, you know, mm, we got enough we got enough guys to kind of make some things happen here. So. 96 was, I would say, almost say 96 was probably our most talented team, even more so than probably 97. When you when you look at it as a whole and mm-hmm. the players that we had from a senior junior perspective, we were pretty dang good. And we could compete with anyone, certainly in the Big Ten. And then you guys kind of set that bar going into 97 with high expectations. And for whatever reason, just some excruciating losses and and shortcomings that year um what what are your memory memory instead of me jabbering on here what, what, are, you, what, what are your memories of 97 well yeah certainly you know obviously thinking about 97 here's my chance as you know small town iowa kid to be a captain on a an iowa football team who would ever guess that and to be a leader of a team and um obviously we you know we had a lot of expectations going in and and, you know, that, that comes with, um, with, with expectations, you know, comes, um, you got to have some results. And, and I think we were all prepared for that, but, you know, there was some undue pressure maybe we put on ourselves and, and some thoughts that, Hey, we need to, you know, we need to run the table here. We, we have the ability to do that where, you know, maybe in hindsight, if we would have just said, Hey, let's, you know, the old, the old saying, you know, just take one game at a time, one play at a time, rather than looking ahead, uh, maybe things would have been different, but, you know, we were so dang talented. I mean, that I was when we played Iowa State, we played you and I. It's like, oh my gosh. I mean, we we were so confident, and but we bet we were able to back it up, and the people that we had in place um, could make plays. You know, I always listen. Got we had enough playmakers. Where maybe in years past, past we didn't have enough playmakers. Here we have playmakers all over the field on offense and defense, and even special teams for that matter. Um, but I, I just. 97 was, you know, a year that, gosh, going into Michigan, we thought we, you know, let's give them a run. Certainly they're number one in the country. They're really, really good. But guess what? We're pretty dang good. And, you know, if you look at my uh, stats, obviously it wasn't a great day for me. And then obviously having the injury right at the end of the game, you know, kind of threw my whole uh, my whole uh, football career up and up in the air. But, um, you know, it, it's listen, it ha- you know, injuries happen. Um, that obviously was really um um, for me, not, not from a timing perspective, what I, what I anticipated, but, uh, you know, the team tried to rally around the best we could and, and, um, and try to finish on a high note. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's athletics, right, Robin? It's just one of those things where the, you know, listen, you might have the best plan put together, but at the end of the day, it's, it's, uh, sometimes it just doesn't work out. And I guess that's kind of how I look at that 97 season. And obviously again, the elephant in the room is, um, the heat you took during that time, the, I'll, I'll say blame. I mean, I think a lot fell at your feet during that time. And, you know, I remember that was my first year covering Iowa football. And I remember that was a tough time. And, and, you know, it was, well, you remember, I'm not telling you, you, anything <laughs> oh, yeah. you don't know. I mean, you know, with, with Tim coming to your defense and, and coach Fry coming to your defense, it just, 
it was just a really, I felt an unfortunate time where it almost is, it almost looked, if you think about how things are now where people are just so reactionary, it almost was, you know, a a look ahead to our, a foreshadowing of our future and the way athletics are now. It didn't seem, and maybe I'm remembering it wrong. Maybe I remember the, the honeymoon of foot, you know, of, of athletics in the eighties and nineties when, you know, people backed their teams and didn't eat their own, but that had to have been a tough time for you. Yeah, no, well said. And I guess I didn't kind of think of it as you're right, because athletics now today, even, you know, gosh, youth athletics, let alone high school and course in the college, you know, how people believe, you know, they just have this ability to to give an opinion and 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 just say it and then kind of walk away from it. But uh, yeah, it was I'd be lying to you if it it didn't say it affected me. And, and, you know, it took me (laughs) I don't know how many years, but it took me six, seven, eight, maybe even nine years to kind of say, you know what, it's okay. Um, just because, you know, you give your heart and your soul to something. And certainly I, I didn't try to, you know, throw the pick. I certainly didn't try to play the way I played. It happened. Um, but I, I guess on the way I've learned to kind of understand it or um, deal with it is, you know, that's what I also love about college athletics is that passion too. Now there's certainly knuckleheads out there and you're going to deal with them. I'd certainly see them on a Saturday in any stadium you're at, but um it, you know, obviously Tim's a good friend, you know, and he didn't have to do what he did. He did that. Matt Hughes is certainly a good friend. He's, he stood up and, um, you know, that's okay. That's the quarterback position. And that's what I'm trying to tell my 12 year old, listen, you know, you're going to get a lot of credit, but, uh, you know, just take that easy and you're going to get a lot of blame and you got to learn to be able to manage it and understand that and be able to move forward. And, um, it took me a long time to get over it. I'd, I'd be lying to you if, 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 if I said it differently, but, um, Looking back, maybe I was a little immature at the time and didn't understand it and the passion around it. And um, but you know, it's just I guess it's it's one of those things that frankly has defined me and and um, uh, it's made me kind of who I am today. I I think from you know the people I'm associated with and and obviously even my former teammates or guys like Chuck Cartley that that is really a dear friend of mine and something that him and I talk about and you know it's still a game at the end of the day and um, and it's okay. You know, it happens. Didn't want it to happen, but it, it happened and we move forward. It is. And I, I wrote a story about this probably the middle of last decade. I think it may have been when, when Drew Tate was at the reins, but you think about Iowa and again, not telling you anything you don't know, there are no professional sports and there is no position in this state under the microscope more than the starting quarterback at the University of Iowa. No disrespect to Iowa State, but the quarterback at the University of Iowa, there is not a more pressure-packed position in all of the state. And that's not to disrespect anybody else. And I've kind of watched all you guys go through this and and admired how you've handled it. And I'm glad, Matt. I'm glad that you are able to look back now and still have a fondness for Iowa. Cause I remember going through that time. I was like, man, this is going to change how he looks at the state and how he looks at the university. And that's really unfortunate. Yeah. You know, and I would tell you, you're a hundred percent right. When you think about the, um, the spotlight on that particular position and obviously at the university of Iowa, but you know what, Rob, and I, I'd be curious what the other quarterbacks would say. I mean, I know Paul Bermersi, I think he would say the same thing. Certainly. I know Chuck Dudd, uh, did, does say this as well. You know, at the time when you're in college, there's so many things going on. I don't think you realize that, or at least I didn't realize it, that, um, you know, the pressures that were around it. Now, looking back, it affected me. 
Um, but I guess I just, I was so focused on kind of what we're doing and, you know, being a college, uh, a student and doing all those things. And then obviously, you know, getting ready for Saturday. Um, but you know, that's why I just like, holy smokes here. I am from St. Ansgar, Iowa. And I get this opportunity and, you know, certainly didn't do everything right, but we had a lot of success. And, and uh, I like to think it's, um, you know, because of coach Fry and, and, uh, and Iowa football and the great people that I was around, you know, it's, it's changed who I am as obviously as a, as a husband and a, and a father and, you know, what I do on a daily basis at work and, and hopefully as a friend, but it's, um, it's a great place, man. It's a special place. And, uh, you know, it, it's something I enjoy. I get back to at least one or maybe two games a year, just depending on my schedule here. And man, there's nothing, um, there's nothing quite like it. It's, it's special. Talking about coach Fry, um, just such a, <laughs> there's so many layers there with him. Um, what was your relationship like with him and, and how do you view him as, you know, as a person in your life? Um, great, great relationship with him. And, and, you know, as a player, obviously, you know, one of the things I say about him, he was a great players coach and that, that holds a lot of different meanings. And certainly some people think, you know, nowadays that means, okay, you're not a disciplinarian or, you know, you kind of just let the, the players do what they want to do. And that's not him at all. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. And anyone that has been to a game or, or obviously watched a, a tape of him coaching knows, you know, it's, it's yes, sir. No, sir. And, uh, practices were very, um, uh, very intense. Um, but our relationship was, was, uh, one where of, of great respect I had for him. And, um, and frankly, there's times where, you know what, I, I didn't want to let him down. Um, I mean, that motivated me, uh, that I wanted to go out and perform at a very, very high level, um, you know, because you, you want your coach and you want the, the people you're around to feel good about your performance. So um, I just, you know, I can't say enough nice things like any other, I'm sure, former player. Um, was it perfect? No. Um, but it was a very healthy um, relationship. And, and you know, when I do see him, I, all I say to him is, listen, I say, thank you for the opportunity. Because that's all you can't, you know, he, he gave me a chance. And then it was up to me and and uh, my teammates to, to take advantage of that. And um, for a man, I can say the guys that stayed at Iowa their entire career, they, uh, they took advantage of that opportunity and they're all thankful for what coach Fry, uh, what coach Fry allowed them to have. I know we got to see some amazing plays on Saturdays from Tim Dwight and Tavian Banks. What were some of the things you saw in practice with those two, two of the more electric players I've covered in my 22 years? Well, unbelievable players. And I would, and I would, again, looking back and the way offenses have changed, I would say, holy smokes, if we had the offense of today, where it's a little bit more spread and a little bit more one-on-one, we would be a completely different team. I I think you can make an argument. I'm not sure Tim ever would have been a great big 10 running back and he may, he may disagree, but you know, I don't think he, you, you could pitch it to him like we did and he could run, you know, but he's not a tackle, a tackle guy. And even Tavian, Tavian, certainly, you know, he was 205, 210 pounds, but he was one of the shiftiest guys I've ever seen. And frankly, our offense at that time, we tried to put him out because I always had this dream where Cedric could be the tailback and then Tavian and Tim would all be on one side. And I'm like, oh, they can't, they can't defend that. And, you know, we just could never quite get those guys in the right position. In my mind, looking back, Mm-hmm. to really take advantage of their athletic ability. Um, but I say that, you know, when, when we do, you know, football's not a game of one-on-one, but sometimes in practice it is. And when you see those guys do stuff one-on-one, um, it was it was unbelievable. 
it was absolutely unbelievable. I mean, I had this vision of Tavian in 1994 in the Metrodome. We're both redshirt freshmen, and he made some cuts. And 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 he was also I would make he he was made to play on turf. You know, mm-hmm. everyone was kind of switching over to the grass, obviously Connecticut grass, and wasn't the field turf like it is today. But you know, the old turf like in the Metrodome where you were you wore tennis shoes. I mean, that's yeah, where yeah. he was absolutely electric. And uh, in the in the Alamo Bowl in in '95 where he was on the old turf. He was absolutely tremendous just because he was such a good athlete. Those guys, um, you know, where, when I say about, you know, we had players and when we started to get to that 96, 97 season, obviously those guys were the two main, two main folks in that where you say, Hey, we, we can, we can compete with anyone from an athlete perspective. We just got to get them in the right spot. And uh, that was always the challenge each week is how to use those guys to take advantage of their talents. So you uh, you end up graduating from Iowa, and um, I'm sure, like most guys that come through here, are thinking that there's a pro career there. Um, you did play in the Arena League. What 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 type of NFL interest did you have, and what kind of how? I guess talk about the rest of your um, sure. your football career before you decide. Yeah. Okay, enough. Yeah, I mean, yeah, certainly, I I wanted to play in the NFL like like any other player, and I'm frankly, I think all college you know, athletes should have that or football players should have that mentality. And, you know, coming back from my uh, thumb injury, you know, we played in the, uh, in the, or in the, excuse me. Yeah. In the Sun Bowl 97. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think the game was on Wednesday. We cut my cast off on Sunday and uh, coach Fry's like, Hey, you can give it a try. And, you know, the arm atrophied, I didn't have any strength. I could barely throw an out route, but I did start that game and coach Fry gave me a chance and after that first series, it just, it wasn't going to work. And we both knew that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I had from that kind of, you know, end of December really until, um, I went to the combine, you know, which is what there's 17 quarterbacks that go to the combine, at least there were that year. And, you know, that was Ryan Leaf and Peyton Manning and, uh, Brian Greasy. I mean, some really, really talented players. And I was in that group and, um, I thought I competed okay. Um, certainly I wasn't, I wasn't where I wanted to be just from a strength standpoint, but, um, I thought I was going to have a chance. I thought I would get a free agent opportunity. And, and a couple of teams told me, hey, if you don't get drafted, don't worry about it. We'll take you. And, you know, it's one of those things where you kind of wait and it never happened. And so it's like, OK, holy smokes, plan B. What are we going to do? And I knew John Gregory at um, my father at uh, at uh, the Barnstormers. And he's like, hey, would love to have you come in. And um, so I looked at, you know, Kurt Warner was a couple of years prior. I think he was a 96. And so everyone's like, hey, just go to the arena league and be like Kurt Warner. I'm like, all right. And I think looking back, that's like winning the lottery. It just, sure. you know, it doesn't happen. And you got to be the right person at the right time with the right guy and all those kind of things that are out of your control. And it's worked out great for Kurt, obviously really, really, really good player um, stating the obvious, but um, you know, so I did it for a couple of years and, and had some success, but not, not the success I um, expected. And um, so, you know, I made a decision at, at, I think about age 26 or 27 saying, Ooh, what now? And, um, you know, that was a little scary. That's hard, I think, for any athlete, let alone football players. Like, you train your whole career, and then all of a sudden, breaks get stopped. And, and I'll give Coach, like, where Coach Ferentz or even Coach Fleck up here, they do a tremendous job of, hey, when you come in on day one, it's about what happens when you're done playing. At that time in, in my era, in 90s, we really didn't talk a lot about that. Or at least I didn't. Maybe it was there, but I was, you know, <laughs> I, I didn't. And in hindsight, I, I, you know, I certainly wish I would. And certainly would. I hope if my child has an opportunity to play college athletics, it's going to be OK. What are you doing when you're done playing? Because that day is going to come as right. much as you don't want it to or think it will. But 
Um, so I did arena ball for a couple of years, loved it. It was a good experience and it was okay for me. And then, and then kind of the reality set in and said, Hey, it's time to grow up and, uh, and got to figure out what, where I want to go and what I want to do. And what did you do initially after your football career was over? Well, and kind of, you know, the great thing about the Iowa family is the former players. And so there's a great network and coach Farron certainly does an unbelievable job now where, you know, he exposes uh, current players to alumni like myself. And that's where I really got to know uh, John Hartley. Uh, I knew John. You there? About uh, John Hartley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So got to know John and then obviously Chuck and and uh, Chuck was uh, instrumental and helped me get kind of in the medical space, which I enjoyed and did that for seven years. And I was just traveling too much. And we had our first child, Kate, and um, just wanted to get off the road. And obviously that's when I kind of stumbled into the whole Learfield uh, family and, uh, and been here ever since. And do you live in Minneapolis? We live, yeah, we live in the southern, uh, southeast suburbs, which is uh, Rosemont, but okay. you know, it's, yeah, so just in the in the suburbs of uh, of the Twin Cities. Great. Um, what uh, what former teammates do you still keep in touch with? Yeah, you know, so for me, obviously, when I when I get down to Iowa City, it's really fun just because the, the Iowa Football Club has their tailgate. And, it's really um, it's great to just see some familiar faces, but I, I still on a semi-regular basis I talk to Matt Hughes a fair amount. You know he's a guy that I helped um, I hosted him when he came on his recruiting visit, and so you know we obviously we created a bond at, at an early age and and um, talked to him quite a bit. You know when I see you know the white I'll, I'll text back and forth. Um, I guess I saw Jared Debris and and John Lafleur two guys I try to communicate with when I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, there's enough kind of Iowa football events where, you, you know, you see uh, you see people, um, um, you know, kind of throughout the year, which which is great. Uh, um, Burmeister, I try to. I haven't talked to him in a while. I've been a couple months, but, you know, try to stay in touch with, with Paul. So I think that's what's so cool about just that network of guys that, you know, you all go through the same thing. And it doesn't matter if you play together or not, but there's that respect and understanding that, hey, you, you know, you did it for the greater good and you worked as a team and, Obviously, you know, you had one goal, and at the end of the day, uh, you know, you're part of this Iowa football family, which um, is pretty darn special. That's true. It's a, it is a uh, tight-knit fraternity. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt, absolutely. So, Matt, I usually, well, I shouldn't say usually, because you're the only the second guest that I've had on the Hawkeye History <laughs> Podcast, but... <laughs> I try to wrap this up with kind of taking you down memory lane a little bit here um, in what I call the high five. Um, And it's five questions basically stretching back to your time at Iowa. And the first question is, uh, what was your favorite place to hang out in Iowa City? Not not food related. I had to make this. (laughs) Anthony is Mr. Food. Anthony Heron, he does like some Pac-12 network after dark restaurant tour or whatever. So I had to you know specify to him that he had to pick a place that was not a restaurant i love it i love it That's <laughs> well remember he's a defensive lineman too so they right. think a little differently but um <laughs> you know for me i'll give you i'll just give you a couple um one was obviously the sports column um you know just because after games you know that's kind of where the team went right or wrong but mm-hmm. it was a great venue and and obviously you know that's where those relationships are built um is is situated so i love the sports comes when i go back to town i still say hey i need to go down there um 
And then the other one might surprise you a little bit, but um, Slim's, which was out in Tiffin, which I don't think is there anymore. But I don't I think to, it is. No, we used to go out to Slim's a fair amount, and that was kind of our getaway. <laughs> I so, got you, know, you. You talked about some of the pressures that were associated with it. Well, you could go out to Slim's, and uh, either people didn't know you or didn't care, but they left you alone. And um, so that was kind of one where myself and some teammates or even even my uh, my wife now, Betsy, we that's where we would uh, venture out occasionally. Cool. I do remember that place. Yeah. Um, and now for the second question, favorite place to eat. (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, I don't know if it's my favorite, but, uh, anyone that, that listens to this, that was in our era with this giggle probably, but we used to get, um, uh, some coupons that went to Shakey's in Coralville. <laughs> so on, on, on Saturdays, what you're talking I'm not about. saying it was my favorite, but I have this memory <laughs> that you would go to, uh, you would get, being on scholarship, you would get, because they didn't feed you on the weekends, which is different now, but you would get like a free buffet on Saturdays and Sundays. So at any point down in Coralville, I bet there would be, you know, 40 or 50 uh, football, football players down at Shakey's. And uh, so I'm not saying the food was tremendous, but I have these funny memories of, uh, of being there. And then I'll give you another one. There was a truck stop out in Coralville, too, that had an unbelievable chicken fried steak that mm-hmm. we would uh, that we, we venture to at at, uh, at certain times as well. Yeah. Crushing it at Shakey's Buffet. That's that's a trip <laughs> down memory lane for hey, there sure. You go. Exactly. <laughs> um, your favorite course and or professor when you were at Iowa. Ooh, well, I was a, a sports management degree, uh, which, you know, I don't even know what that truly means. It encompasses a lot of things. Um, but gosh, dang it. I can't recall his name right now. And he's going to kill me if he ever hears this. <laughs> uh, but he was in the he was in the department. Um, he was really, really tough. But, uh, you know, he valued, um, listen, doing it the right way and and, you know, doing all the right things in class. And gosh, dang it. I should remember. And that's terrible. I can't. But but I would say it, it was in my inside my degree where, you know, I met some really good people and people that that said, hey, you know, here's here's kind of what the opportunities exist if you go into the sports management world. Mm. Um, who were your roommates at Iowa? And this is probably a long list because you I don't know if you had the same ones throughout your whole time here. Yeah. Well, my first one, because at that time we had to live in the dorm the first year. I think they Nick still do. Do they? Yeah. I so think so. Nick Gallery. And, and that was okay. really what Coach Elliott doing. Where he recruited Nick as well, and actually Nick and I were at camp together a couple of times, so we, you know, we, we knew each other. You know, obviously he's a farm kid, played played one uh, A football as well at East Buck, and obviously where I'm coming from, so we, you know, we hit it off right away. And his Mike and 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 uh, Mike Gallery and the family, obviously, is just tremendous people, and so we lived in the dorms together in Slater. And then I guess my second year, um, there was a guy named Scott Yoder from Grundy Center who was a walk-on linebacker and a really, really good player and a really good guy. We played against each other in high school, and, and so we knew each other. We were in the Shrine All-Star game together, and obviously he knew Nick. So we kind of had this little group. And, and so it was, um, I guess my second year, really going in, and the rest of the time we, we lived together, is myself, Scott, and, and then um, uh, another gentleman that was from Grundy Center that was a non-football guy. So, yeah, we kind of we kept our group together and just, you know, we, we moved off campus, but uh, it just seemed to work, and, um, and obviously I had some great memories from it. Where'd you live in town? We were always, uh, over by Fine. Yeah. Gotcha. We were always over by like kind of off Benton street. Mm-hmm. Um, 
off there in some of those apartments. So yeah, nothing fancy. That's for sure. Not like they have now. <laughs> no, the, the game has changed. Yes, so it has. Game. You should it see was. the, well, you probably have seen the nutrition that the, the food stations they have that coach Doyle has over there now. I mean, those guys can't go hungry. Yeah. It's not shakies. No, it is not shakies. <laughs> <at all. laughs> um, and then our fifth one, um, your favorite Hayden Fry saying or your memory, favorite memory of Coach Fry? Well, I got, I got, I mean, a lot that, uh, just stories and, um, you know, his sayings were tremendous. Um, and, <laughs> you know, there, there's, there's some stories that, that obviously may be appropriate for the show here today, but, <laughs> but there's, there, you know, I guess he was just the guy, the hokey pokey, we'd be Michigan State up there in 95 was absolutely tremendous and because that was a game you know Nick Saban was coaching then and he's this up-and-comer and um that was tremendous and there yeah there was there was just things that that guy did on a daily basis that just when you think you know god dang it you know things aren't weren't working out or having a horrible practice he would come up to you and say something I mean it, he did tell a story and I don't know if it's true or not and maybe and maybe in some of my teammates here they're gonna say you're absolutely lying but he pulled me over to the side and we were watching special teams and he obviously knew um President Bush, uh, uh, George W. Senior, President Bush, mm-hmm. um, and at that time, the Cedar Rapids Airport closed. I think at you know nine o'clock. They just didn't have you know what they didn't have twenty four hour flights or whatever. And, and he t- told a flight, or he told a, he told me a story that he goes, "Hey, President Bush was. Um, I saw President Bush last night." And I was like, "What?" He goes, "Yeah, yeah. He was flying from the West Coast, and Air Force One landed in the Cedar Rapids Airport, and I met him at the airport, and we chatted for a little bit, and then then I came back and." I was like, come on. And so just stories <laughs> kind of like that, that I'm thinking, you know, I can't remember what I just did, you know, in the play. I was upset about and all of a sudden he pulls out that he's hanging out with President Bush last night at the airport at midnight. You know, just stuff like that, that you just you just look at him, you go, holy smokes. You know, what what a life that man has lived and obviously still living today. And then and then I will say this about him is the number in one of my goals in life is impact as many people as I can in a positive way. And you think what he has done for the people not only of the state of Iowa but the game of college football and the number of people that he has impacted and changed people's lives is unbelievable um and who would have thought you know a football coach could do that and he certainly has and um man it's just something to look at and kind of be in awe to be honest with you yeah the 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 the, uh, terms get thrown around probably more than they should but icon and legend i mean i think he falls into that category you think about american needs farmers and how impactful that still is in in our society um you know and his his ability to 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 use football to to bring people together i mean it was uh he was incredible still well said well said yeah still is and no, you said it perfect. And I, I don't think people realize that at the time, and maybe they did. And But I, it's just amazing the amount of people that uh, that he impacted in, uh, in a positive way, which, boy, if all of us could do that, you know, this world would be a better place. All right, Matt. Well, now I'm hungry, and I don't have shakies to go to because it's not here anymore. <laughs> well, so. there's a reason why it's not there anymore. But. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you are correct. I'll have to grill tonight. There you go. That's a better. That's a better choice. But I really appreciate you coming on with me and uh, getting hooked up on Skype. As I said with Anthony last week, this is a big, big hurdle for us old guys to be able to to tackle technology and be able to do this. So I really appreciate it. I'm glad things are going well in your life. Um, 
and we cleared up the Minnesota thing, so people will not get antsy over that. Um, Thank you. Thank we're, you. We're in good shape there. Yeah. And uh, as long as you know where Floyd should be, that's all we need to know. I got it. Loud and clear. <laughs> I understand. And, and thanks for all you do. I, I love I love what you're, uh, the way you cover, the obviously, the, the Hawks, and it's fun to read. So uh, keep up the good work on your end. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate that. Absolutely.